Good morning. This is Tom Clark with The Father's Heart again, and I have my special guest, Dave Henderson. This is episode five, the effect of fatherlessness on an individual's well-being. We want to discuss today the issue of fatherlessness from, fatherlessness from both a natural and a spiritual level. Uh, the natural level is the effect on an individual's personhood without a father acting as a protector and provider in a person's life. On our spiritual level, the effect of fatherlessness on an individual's personhood without having that connection with God the Father. So the reason why we want to bring these two issues up is because we really see the effect of the lack or the actually presence of fatherlessness on uh, creating fear in a person and how that fear begins to create stress and then the uh, rippling effect, the domino effect of the absence of love, the presence of fear, creating of stress and the effect on a person's immune system and even how that leads to her, sickness and disease. So let's go back for a moment and talk about uh, the effect on the individual of a person who does not have a natural father in their life who has acted as a protector and provider as they were growing up. What are your thoughts about that, Dave? I think that that's the, um, the primary reality is God set the home up the way that he set it up fathers and mothers, uh, primarily with the father as the protector and as the uh, the one who creates the boundaries in the home, establishes the home. And he did this so that we wouldn't have to reinvent the wheel every generation on how human life should be conducted and how everything should be operated. God made it so that the father would be the one who would bring into being the establishment, the protection, and the strengthening of the home so that children could prosper and grow into what God wants in their life, in their various gifts and talents. And without that, it's like not having a nest for a bird. It's like trying to, trying to lay its eggs someplace without a nest. And this is vital because uh, we can't, we've got to have a society that's stable for the gospel to be fully able to freely move. And with that society, um, the home is the foundation of that society. And that's one of the reasons why we're seeing such a great shaking in our society today is because we've lost a lot of this because we have generation after generation trying to reinvent the wheel. In many ways, it's, uh, it's a frustrating thing when you think of it. There are certain things that a father can pass down to the next generation that can only be passed down through the father, has to be passed down. And part of that is in their relationship, in their perspective to God himself, their family, and also the government that they live in. Much of the young men that you're seeing out on the streets today, you know, causing all these troubles uh, in Antifa and the various different things that are going on, are young men that are raised without fathers. You know, well, I don't know if you noticed when they had the uh, Portland riots over this last six, eight months, they always had a group of mothers that showed up that were there supporting them. The only one time that they ever really had a father speak out 
was a man whose son was killed after he snuck over and hung around there. And then they, they completely ignored the father's uh, upset. The uh, mayor of the city, the people in charge of the city, pretended like he didn't exist. But they were very heavily promoting the idea that got the, you know, we got the bunch of moms that are supporting these guys out on the street. But the father had said that he had warned his son not to be involved with this situation. His son lost his life and he was completely ignored. And uh, this is a, uh, a reality. If you don't have these fathers in the home, both men and women in the next generation are going to try to reinvent what they uh, see as the way to conduct society. And they will be then influenced primarily by people like your educators and individuals who have ulterior motives. The father and the mother in the home are the purest motive that exists, if, especially if they are orchestrated under the authority of God. They're following God's will in their lives. What do you think of the uh, effect of fatherlessness on the spiritual level of a person not having a connection with God their father or not even conceiving of that kind of relationship and how that can affect their lives? I think that uh, the effect is that it creates a, a great amount of uncertainty and fear. In, in these uh, people's lives, the individual's lives, especially young children. And this is one of the, one of the primarily importance of some of the things you're teaching in your books is that it connects them with the concept of their father in heaven. But if a person is having a hard time even having a father on the earth, it's very hard for them to digest the meaning of a father. And that's a lot of the young on God the, on God the Father, and a lot of the young men I'm working with um, have are having a hard time finding women that are stable that they can build a life with, and it's because most of the girls that are out here, uh, many of them have no relationship to a man in their life at all, and so they don't even know how to treat these guys. They're either wanting to be overly sexually active. Mm -hmm or they're just disrespectful just to men in, in, in effect. And these are just guys who are looking for somebody they can build a lifetime relationship with. So it's very hard for many of these guys to find a uh, stable person that they can build with mm -hmm. for that reason. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things we discussed before that we wanted to bring out was the effect of uh, fatherlessness both on a natural level and a spiritual level on the person, on the individual's life with respect to fear. Mm -hmm. We talked about before that if you don't have a good natural connection to a, a man as a father, then you have that missing element of love in a person's life, whether they're born or middle, it's not gender specific. And similarly with God the Father, if you don't have an action, you already know that God the Father exists and that he loves you, uh, there is a vacuum created and into that vacuum comes fear. And with fear comes stress. And we mm -hmm. were mentioning before about the effect of stress on a person's life. So this, these conversations we're having are not religious conversations. They have spiritual overtones to them, but they're very important in terms of real life 
living and in terms of real life living when you talk about uh, things like sleeplessness or you talk about the effect of stress on people's life in terms of lowering their immune system and in lowering the immune system their susceptibility to sickness and disease you know i this past week we had thanksgiving and i spent some time with my uh, uh, all my six children and their my 10 grandchildren and i was asking the lord in my prayer time about uh, what could i uh, bring out a Thanksgiving dinner that I, as a father and grandfather, was thankful for. And uh, the first thing that came to my mind, I said, you know, I look back at my six children's lives. They're now between 38 and uh, 25 years of age. And all six of them, not one of them in all their lives, ever had a serious sickness or a serious mm -hmm. disease. I said, what a blessing that has been for our family of course, they had colds and things like that, but nothing serious, no, no serious sickness, no serious disease. And in my heart, I was trying to make sure that the environment they were growing in was a safe environment and they felt protected and provided for. I uh, didn't even know that it would have the effect that it had, but it certainly had that effect. And so I wanted to be thankful for that. And then after I fought through the process of at Thanksgiving dinner, which I did do, uh, give thanks for the protection over their their physical health which is very important to all of us and mental health uh, i then uh lord said well, why don't you give the same blessing that you've experienced for your children why don't you as the grandfather give that as a blessing to your grandchildren so i blessed my grandchildren with excellent health all the days of their lives just like their parents had experienced and so that became an, a, a legacy, uh, something that could be uh, handed down. Uh, as the scripture says, uh, blessed is the man who gives his wealth to his children's children. Well, part of that wealth is the blessing of excellent health. And so that was part of our family that I would like to share with you all on our family's personal experience. Knowing that what I know now, <laughs> as they say, um, and realizing one place I had read that 95% of sicknesses and disease comes from stress. That is an amazing statistic. 95% of sickness and disease, that lowering of the immune system to block off uh, issues. I know today we live in a world of fear. We have fear of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been around all year out there, you know, and wear a mask and so forth and social distance. But I mean, I've been exposed to many, many people in the last year. And I, I've never had COVID. I don't expect I ever will have COVID. My, either my immune system is very strong, and I think it is, but I also feel I may have already built up the antibodies already. So it's uh, what causes that. It's causing that, I think, is that, that uh, um, gift that God's given me to trust him. And in trusting him, I feel his love. And that goes back to, when we talked about that earlier, about Dr. Caroline Leaf, when uh, so two of the books that I read, one was uh, Switch On Your Brain, and I uh, don't remember the title of the other one, but both books she discusses, because she's a neurosurgeon, she, she brings out that in our physical brain, that our brains are wired for love. And when a love thought creates a vibration inside our brain, that actually creates protein and the proteins create brain cells. So our brains get healthy brain cells when they're loved. 
and we have love thoughts and love words. Well, the exact opposite happens when you have a worry, anxiety, a fear thought, or any kind of negative thought. It literally does brain surgery and destroys brain cells. So I think that's, that's really important that uh, we understand these things. And as you mentioned earlier in the, the books that I'm writing uh, for children, um, we want to get them while they're young. So in the kingdom of God, they, God the Father wants to uh, impress upon them love at the very earliest age they can have. Any parent, uh, any parent who thinks about it would want their children to have love. They exactly. understand the, the love they could give them and the love that God the Father could give them because it will go well with them for the rest of their lives if you implant that in them. But if you plant any worry, anxiety, fear, insecurities of, of any, any nature that is going to destroy brain cells, it's going to create stress in the child and uh, they're not going to feel safe. And that creates a whole rippling effect, the domino effect inside their lives that takes them uh, right on through for um, many, many years afterwards. Uh, the next uh, point that I wanted to bring up, Dave, was that you were telling me a lot of things that you were able to wean, or the takeaways, I should say, from a course that you took. And the course was on stress. Mm -hmm. It's a four-day course. And in that four-day course, they uh, revealed a lot of knowledge there uh, that things we wouldn't normally associate with stress. And after that, I'd like to discuss boundaries. So talk about yeah. the course on stress. Uh, well, the county, Fairfax County, Virginia, um, offers a free course on stress. And I decided to take it as it sounded like an interesting thing. I've never even thought in terms of that because I don't really have a lot of stress in my own experience, even though I've had a lot of circumstances I should, you know, under the idea that you should be stressful about this. Well, sometimes it's just a matter of trusting God on some of these things. But one of the things that were brought out, which really surprised me, is that stress oftentimes masks itself behind what are considered other problems, like blood sugar problems, uh, insomnia, uh, blood pressure problems. When you're stressed, your blood pressure goes up. When you're, uh, when you're stressed, your blood sugar doesn't stay regulated, and it, which is kind of oftentimes can disguise itself as sugar issues or blood pressure issues, but it really comes down to just specifically stress. And also, uh, the cortisone that's released in your body, if you continue having that cortisone released in your body, can affect you and cause cancers, make your body uh, toxic towards being able to hold cancers in it and create various different uh, aspects of the inability of your immune system to work like it's supposed to work. There's a lot of vitamins that work with the immune system, but one of the major things that works with your immune system you can put those vitamins in you as much as you want, but if you're putting them on a toxic experience, it's not really helping like it can help. And so you need to be in a, a situation where you learn to release your stress, whatever kind of stress you're under, which really stress is based on fear. Worry about what's going to happen or worry that somebody isn't treating you right or worry that somehow something in your life isn't going the way it should go. But these are things that we come to a relationship with God. And if we trust God, 
then we believe that God is going to take care of those particular things. And we really have to make an active uh, work in our life to trust God about these things that we stress on. We have to focus our mind on the fears that are coming at us and release ourselves from it because perfect love casts out all fear. Fear has torment. And the better, uh, clear, good way of saying torment is stress. You know, fear creates the environment of stress because people that are living in fear can't, uh, they can't think outside of that box. And, and specifically, the baby boomer generation, which I'm a part of, was raised in a state of constant fear from the time we were in first grade. I remember very first grade, kindergarten kind of grade, we were crawling under our, under our desk three times a week while the siren went off to make sure that we weren't blown up in the atomic bombs. And the, and the teachers would walk up and down the aisles, making sure that our bodies were faced the right way. And so we were living under this constant stress. The next thing they brought us onto was environmental stress. And they've just been pushing stress, 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 fear, 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 constantly. And now this pandemic, which is proving every day to be less and less troublesome than they ever said so that it's becoming ridiculous that the idea that people are even stressing at the moment but they're still promoting the thought that they're still promoting die. the fear still promoting the fear that people are going to die and we're going to die anyway right. you know blessed is he that dies in the lord from henceforth and that his works do follow them we we are in christ as believers in jesus christ and if and you can see the delineation in the same way that was in Egypt with the children of Israel that were in the land of Goshen. And the, the marker that I'm going to lay here and saying that divides the land of Goshen, which is where the people of God are, versus the Egyptian world, which actually was a religious world, but was just false religion, is fear. Right. And this is the this is the great marker between us. If you walk with Jesus Christ in a daily walk, you have no fear. Right. You and it doesn't mean you're stupid. Right. It just means you're fearless. What does the Bible say about the fear of death? Yeah, it says the fear of death is torment. The scripture tells us that that all of our lifetime we are subject to bondage because of the fear, fear of, of death. death. Right. And and we nobody knows it more than this boomer generation knew it. But the enemy, right, the devil, mm -hmm. who through the fear of death. It keeps us in bondage. Keep us in bondage. Right. And that's that's what we're experiencing through the whole pandemic situation. Exactly. And uh, the effects of people not being able to go to Thanksgiving dinners or they assume the next thing will be Christmas or, you know, have to have very, very healthy family, social uh, interactions. That, you know, government overreaching, my belief is they're overreaching by yep. telling us to do that. They're overreaching uh, in uh, the family sphere. They're overreaching in the church. Exactly. Allowing us to, to gather together as a church. I mean, what gives them the right? To me, it's totally unconstitutional the things that they're doing, but that's a talk for another day. Um, you mentioned before um, this idea, and I wanted to bring up this aspect of uh, fear in connection to shame. Because a lot of times uh, children will pick up uh, guilt and shame. Uh, those two things, mm -hmm. but the worst being shame. Guilt being I did something wrong. I'm guilty of doing something wrong. And the other aspect is shame, which is I am bad. If I have done bad things, <clears throat> guilt, or I am bad personally, which is shame. And the corollary to that is punishment. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because I, I really want to bring up the other issue of how to uh, 
a father can bring uh, boundaries into a child's life and the boundaries are brought in by use of discipline and we misuse that under that understanding of the word discipline uh, in the spectrum of shame and fear <clears throat> and control okay uh, uh, fear grows huge out of shame and uh, many children will grow up as into adults if they have shame they're always trying to control their environment they're always trying to control the other people uh, and it really affects their relationships trying to control other people so that people wouldn't find out right about them because they're ashamed of who they are so they want to you know do all these arrangements control everybody and everything so that uh, it won't come back on them and people will find out who they are and they feel out they feel inside which is wrong they feel they're going to be punished uh, one of the biggest blessings i was able to have with my, one of my children who had this really bad aspect of shame um, and uh, it actually came to a biblical teaching of Hophni and Phineas, where unfortunately my my wife told the story of Hophni and Phineas, you know, and uh, Eli's sons, and that they did bad things and that they were swallowed up in the earth and God punished them. Well, that thought process, while it's a biblical story, left a, unfortunately, a um, an impression that God's going to punish him. And so I said to him, no, God's not going to punish you. All the punishment that you should have fell on his son, Jesus. Jesus took all your punishment. And by believing in Jesus, all the punishment's been taken care of. So God, from now forward, is not going to punish you at all. I mean, that is a that's like an 800-pound weight off your back that you're not going to get punished. And God loves you. And he'll always love you. And he's paid for everything that you have ever done and everything you ever will do. Every sin you ever committed, every sin you will ever commit, he's paid the price for. Boy, is that freeing. Yeah. And that opens up the door. And that's what, again, the series of Papa Tom's Tales books is about, is God is not going to punish you. He's already paid the price for you. He's already taken care of you that way. All you need to do is turn to him and accept what he has provided you through the son of Jesus. So that's, uh, again, a spiritual takeoff on that. But I want to bring up the aspect of, um, you know, people experiencing and they're, they're wrestling with the thought of shame, fear, and control, that um, the a proper um, use of discipline in the proper sense mm -hmm. of that word creates boundaries and gives uh, a child a sense of well-being. So let's let's speak for a moment about what true discipline means uh, in a biblical sense, uh, disassociated from punishment, mm -hmm. or certainly the fear of punishment. Yeah. Um, one of the scriptures I think that brings this out, though, wasn't really aimed specifically about this, was in uh, Matthew 10, 25. It says, it is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. And those specific words, the disciple and his master, uh, give me the picture that I have of my relationship with my sons, my four sons being a single dad, um, is more of a 
educator, student, yeah. teacher, trainer, a teacher and a trainer, the same, the same kind of relationship that, uh, I've had in the martial arts world for lots of years where, uh, I had that relationship in the sense as a mentor and then versus what sometimes you see happening to, uh, families where the father looks at his children as if they're servants and he's the Lord. And that, and those, those two points there literally means slave and then overrule master slave. Yeah. And God did not make this relationship in the home to be that way. Boundaries in that sense are taught. Uh, and this is sometimes one of the, some of the young guys that I work with, uh, talk to me about their home life and they one of the major complaints that they have is that they never understood why they had to do the things they had to do because they felt like their parents just said just do it right and that's the way it is and sometimes a parent, a demand it sometimes a parent feels I have to do that mm -hmm. but that's coming out of a, a frustrating yeah. spirit inside of them and and uh, I try to and I've tried from the very beginning, with my sons from the time they were just young, explain to them when I can, you can't always, but when I can age appropriately, why it's better to do something this way than the other way, and then instruct them. Mm -hmm. Very basic instruction. This is what will happen if it doesn't work this way. Um, I don't view myself as God's policeman. I'm here as, as, as an instructor to my children, the same way that, that we instruct in the church is the same way that we instruct in the home because the church is built on the home mm -hmm. is with that father, uh, son, father, daughter relationship where you're building inside of them. You're not uh, overlording them and telling them how to do life. You're constructing in them the person. And if you take this attitude, God will reveal in each of your children to you the talents and the giftings that they had that you can build on. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, you're blind to the talents and the giftings that are there. Completely blind to it. Any <clears throat> child is going to try to push the envelope. Always. And see how far he can go, he or she can go. <laughs> um, and they'll try to push the boundaries. But to a, uh, a parent, father or mother, um, that can set the boundaries, cultivate the boundaries, cultivate in the child a sense of justice, cultivate right and wrong. You know, it was interesting when I was able to teach one of my sons about the Ten Commandments. I said it really isn't commandments like in a military sense, because he kept feeling that if he violated one of the Ten Commandments, God was going to come down and strike him dead or something. I mean, it was literally, you know. Uh, I said, no, they're really more instructions. The Ten Commandments from the Hebrew is more the Ten Instructions. Not that you don't have to obey them, but you do. You do have to obey them. But they're not couched in terms of punishment. They're couched in terms of their consequences to these Ten Commandments. These commandments create boundaries. These, these Ten Commandments, if you want, the, the thing, the thought that he had to understand when I was teaching him was God loves you so much. And because of his love for you, he's teaching you his Ten Commandments because they're good for you. And if you violate them at your own risk, it's not that he's going to get mad and going to punish you because you hurt him. He's actually going to be sad that you've hurt yourself 
when you violate a commandment, you hurt yourself. Because mm -hmm. he understands as creator, he is the creator and manufacturer of all of everything. He made everything. <clears throat> so he wants his children to understand how he made everything and that how everything works. So if you stay within these boundaries, you will, uh, the consequences of staying the boundaries are for your good. And the consequences of transgressing these boundaries is you'll bring on yourself consequences. Even though you're forgiven, even though uh, through uh, Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection, you're forgiven, you're going to go to heaven, if you make that commitment, there are still consequences in your life, in your physical life, in your physical experience day to day, if you violate the Ten Commandments. And it's not just the Ten Commandments, there are other boundaries that need to be cultivated so that in a social environment, whether that social environment is the family or your church or your community or any kind of relationship, that the longer I've lived in life, the more I realize how important relationships are. And as I got into my 60s, I realized how important it is. And even looking back at my career in the financial services industry, I said, what did I really do that was amounted to anything other than providing a living? For my family and i'm realizing the greatest legacy i have or the greatest effect i had on this earth was through my six children 10 to be 11 grandchildren that that legacy is a hundred times more valuable a thousand times more valuable than earning living to provide you know food on the table and things like that so uh this idea of uh discipline helping children create boundaries is is helping them to get a safe place in their heart and in their minds so um, any other comments you have yeah just that what you're saying there uh, tom is this a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children mm -hmm. and the inheritance the best inheritance we can leave to our children's children is the creating them the structure and the ability to have that relationship with God that they can pass down, that real relationship as God has no grandchildren. He has only children. So we pass that down. That's what we've got to hand off that baton to the next generation. You know, there's a the word that we would like to leave with our children. This is a, one thing I would like to leave with our audience today. The word is, it's also quoted in one of my books, my first book, Shalom Aleichem. And specifically that word shalom, which is Hebrew for peace. And the word by definition means the one who destroys the authority of the one that binds you to chaos. See, chaos is a place where there's no boundaries. Chaos is a place of fear. The evil one tries to uh, bind us to chaos. And Jesus tries to bind us breaks that authority of running into chaos and brings us back to a place of order. And in that place of divine order, we have peace. Shalom Aleichem, my friends. Bye-bye. That was a really good ending there.